Welcome to another edition of Trey Chats. I am Trey Elling, joined this week by a couple of big-time Longhorn fans who also have great insight on the program. Coming up shortly will be my conversation with Brian Jones of CBS. But joining me now is a mainstay at Inside Texas. He's also got a phenomenal Longhorn podcast. Everyone gets a trophy. It is Paul Wadlington. Paul, always a pleasure. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, Trey. How are you, my man? Doing well. Uh, the bye week came at a great time for all parties, certainly the Texas football program. But I was uh, glad to get a little bit of a break from uh, having to watch my team so intently, considering the uh, the disappointing loss at Oklahoma State a little bit more than a week ago. And uh, as Steve Sarkeesian and plenty of others have said, the bye week came at a great time for this program. Everybody deals with issues, but this program uh, is trying to fix certain things right now to allow them to not only build leads, which they have done throughout the course of the season, but actually to be able to finish games off when it's all said and done. And unfortunately, uh, that bit them once again in Stillwater a week and a half ago. For you as somebody who follows this cl- program as closely as you do, what is the most easy to fix thing during a bye week for Texas football right now? And what is the most difficult thing for them to try and fix? Well, I think the, well, I don't know if it's easy, but it seems like a, a point of inquiry that might be worth some examination. And that is our friend Rod Babers had a tweet yesterday in which he said, uh, in Texas's last two games, Opposing quarterbacks have completed 77% of their passes when targeting glance routes, slants, or post routes. 66% of those targets were converted for a first down or a touchdown. And 44 of those attempts gained at least 15 yards compared to a 16% forced incompletion rate. So there's a lot there, but basically glance, post, and slant routes are the easiest routes to throw in college football, right? They're all happening in between the hashes. It's the middle of the field. Uh, These are often first read, first look routes. Uh, That's what Iowa State sort of terrorized us with, with Xavier Hutchinson. Uh, Obviously, Oklahoma State had a great deal of success running those routes with uh, receiving core where they were losing. They lost two of their best three guys. I mean, they were they were starting a true freshman, another guy who was a marginal sort of sophomore. And, uh, you know, we, we certainly made them look really good. And there were a lot of different culprits for that. Deshaun Jameson had maybe one one of his worst games as a Longhorn. But it is a little surprising, particularly on critical downs, that Texas isn't, you know, greatly overplaying some of those routes, particularly inside releases for receivers and things like that. And then making quarterbacks make more difficult throws down the field outside of the hashes. So I would say that's one thing for Texas to look at, particularly against Kansas State where they have a, a fairly simplistic passing game, an effective one, but a, a simplistic one. And, uh, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a pair of quarterbacks. Whoever starts, I suspect it's going to be Will Howard. Uh, whoever starts, you know, you might want to take away some of the easier throws in football and see if they can make some of the more difficult throws. That's one thing I'd look for on defense. On offense, they've got to find a way to get Quinn Ewers and his receivers on the same page. And Quinn Ewers calmed down a little bit. Uh, I think, obviously, he struggled quite a bit at Oklahoma State in Stillwater. He went 19 of 49. Uh, that's, that's difficult to do with the modern passing game, and yet uh, Texas did it. And so uh, I think they need to really spend the bye week getting him sound and uh, getting his confidence back. I realized that there were points in that game that he and his receivers were not on the same page, but the fact that he threw 
the ball to Xavier Worthy 16 different times and only had four completions. It felt like at various points in that game, including near the end, that he was just kind of settling on trying to get it to his best receiver versus going through his progressions. Is that how you saw things as well? It is. You know, Jordan Whittington was apparently injured, but yeah. able to play. And if he's able to play and he's open, you might want to throw him the ball. You know, there were, there were a few key downs where you saw Whittington effectively wide open in the middle of the field. And uh, he wasn't even looked at. And Xavier Worthy, you know, in several of those incompletions, he had bracket coverage. You know, he's it's double coverage. And they're basically saying, you're not going to throw it here. And it got thrown there anyway. Uh, some of that's on Sark, though, too. You know, if if even if you are seeing some things potentially down the field, and there were some things open for Texas down the field, if those throws are not happening for whatever reason, it's incumbent upon you to find something different. And, uh, you know, Texas was pretty stubborn in the idea that one of these downfield throws was going to hit, and they never did. And that's how you end up with that result. So in talking about the upcoming opponent, the Kansas State Wildcats, coming off of a 48 to nothing thrashing over that same Oklahoma State team last Saturday, uh, there is a question as to who's going to be starting at quarterback for them this weekend. You said you think it's going to be Will Howard. That's probably where I'm leaning right now as well. Which of those two quarterbacks, though, do you think poses the biggest challenge to this Texas defense? You know, it's interesting, Trey. So before the season, and if you looked at Will Howard's career, he was a pretty effective runner, a surprisingly effective runner for his size. He doesn't look super athletic, but he's about 6'5", 230, 235. And he's not a guy that's going to break a long run typically, but he was really good at that sort of quarterback lead, lead draw, power sort of game that Texas used to employ quite a bit with Sam Ellinger. And he was very good at six, eight, 10, 15 yard runs when you, when you didn't defend him at, you know, well enough. But he always struggled to throw the ball. Adrian Martinez, interestingly, at Nebraska was inconsistent, but, you know, he had numerous 250, 300 yard passing game performances. The, the script got flipped this season at Kansas State. Adrian Martinez really struggled to throw the ball early in the year. And then Will Howard, in relief, uh, particularly last week and the, and the week before, threw the ball really well, particularly down the field. Uh, Kansas State, as I said earlier, doesn't have a super sophisticated passing game, but it's a vertical passing game. And it's set up by their running game. And a lot of it's play action. A lot of it's taking advantage of the fact that your safeties and linebackers are jumping on run run game keys because you really do have to defend not only Deuce Vaughn, who's a, a nightmare, but also the, the running threat of the quarterback. So where they've had success throwing the ball, it's really attacking assignments. It's not necessarily attacking personnel per se. And so if Texas is sound in their assignments, if their safeties and their linebackers do, do their jobs effectively, you can throttle the K-State passing game down the field. If you don't, man, it can turn into a nightmare and they're hitting wide open guys because their receivers, you know, they may not be super refined route runners, but they can all run Malik Knowles, Phillip Brooks, um, even Cade Warner, you know, they can all run and, and even their, their, their tight end who they will infrequently throw to, but sometimes they'll just throw to him three times in a row because effectively he's not being covered because people are jumping, you know, the run game. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Deuce Vaughn is obviously a guy that's hard not to root for, even for Longhorn fans. He's a Central Texas guy, supremely talented. I think he has some Barry Sanders-esque abilities, but he's also a good kid to boot. What do you love about watching Deuce Vaughn play? Deuce is incredible. Uh, it's it's all about just his ability to change direction, his suddenness. He's incredibly quick. And for his size, he's a guy that can carry it 20 times, 25 times. And he he takes a licking and, and keeps on ticking. Now, he's so agile and he's so he's so small. You know, his, his center of gravity is so low. I think it's hard for people to get good pops on him. Uh, he's, he's good at protecting himself. But, you know, he's every bit of 5'5", five, five, 170 pounds. And he can run between the tackles. He's effective. He's, he's, he gets screened behind the big Kansas State offensive line. And then he pops out of a scrum. And, you know, if he if he comes untouched and he doesn't have to change direction early and he, you know, he squares up on your linebacker or safety in the hole, there's a good chance that guy is going to get embarrassed. Uh, so he's, he's incredibly, incredibly dynamic. He's a tough guy. He's so quick. The other thing is he's very effective in the passing game. Interestingly enough, though, Kansas State has struggled a little bit this year utilizing him in the, in the passing game. Mm. He's uh, He's been averaging like six or seven yards a catch, which is not his typical norm. Uh, and, you know, he did have an effective game catching the ball recently, but they've actually struggled to unlock him in the passing game, probably because, you know, it's so emphasized by the other defense not to let him loose. But, yeah, I love Deuce Vaughn. I mean, to me, it's Deuce Vaughn and Bijan Robinson at the very, very top of the Big 12 running backs. And, uh, you know, third place is, you know, probably Kendra Miller from TCU. Uh, but... I think there's a pretty good big gap between Bijan and Deuce and then the rest of the, the league in terms of running ability. What can Texas fans expect to see out of the K-State defense on Saturday night? It's a really interesting defense. You know, it's it's a defense that we would love to trade with because <laughs> they are very good at corner. They're very good on the edge. And eh, they're not necessarily great at safety. They have pretty good linebackers. And their interior guy, Eli Huggins, is, is above average. Uh, but the, the guy that kind of makes the front go is Felix uh, Enaduke Uzamoa. And he is a big, long guy. He's, I think he's leading the Big 12 in sacks right now. He's at seven and a half. I'm not sure who the leader is. I think it's him. But he's just, he's a good pass rusher. He's long. He's disruptive. Uh, just a good, good player all around. Obviously, he's an NFL talent. Then uh, the next level, they've got pretty good linebackers. Khalid Duke and Daniel Green are the, the guys that they like to bring. They're big and physical guys. They like to rush them a lot. They like to bring them on run blitzes. Just like Oklahoma State, that does create some opportunities because if you can block them up on their run blitz or they guess wrong, you've got great opportunities to run right downhill, right up the middle on them. And that's what TCU did very effectively. So I got to think that Texas has something around that in the game plan. And then at corner, they've got uh, Boy Doe and Julius Brents. Brents and their opposite corners. Boy Doe is a pure speed corner. He's a lithe, 
skinny guy. He's all, you know, probably 170 pounds, six feet tall. He's kind of a speed and quickness guy. He is good at uh, playing the ball in the air. Julius Brents on the other side is actually bigger than Ryan Watts. He's 6'3", 6'4", probably 210. Hmm. He is a press corner. He's got good length. Uh, he does a good job of, of diverting routes early and doing his work early. And then he's just so big that it's really difficult for receivers to body him up or, or physical him. Uh, interestingly enough, though, that you really want to attack Kansas State in the middle of the field because there are three safeties. It's a nickel and two safeties, really, but they call it three safeties. Uh, they're all transfers. And these are guys that's a Juco guy. It's a guy from Prairie View A&M and a guy from South Dakota State. So not exactly hallmark marquee talent. Now they've played pretty well, particularly this guy, uh, Kobe Savage. He's been, he's been good for them in just terms of being reliable. But I, I would say it's not a stretch to say that, that that's the weak point of the defense. So I think you can run at them uh, directly. And I think you can attack those three safeties. So Jatavian Sanders, Jordan Whittington, the running backs out of the backfield, depending on what Kansas State's doing uh, in their, their three-man front. That's a way that Texas can attack them. And, you know, I, I do think there might be some value in revisiting a little bit of last year's game plan. Uh, not necessarily running Wildcat with Roshan 30 times, but <laughs> we did give them some problem with unbalanced looks. And that is something Sark has shown a willingness to do. I would expect us, I would expect us to run some unbalanced offense and try to catch them in some different matchups where, you know, our good is on their bad. Uh, but it, they're an interesting team. They, they destroyed Oklahoma State with edge pressure and good corner play. And frankly, they took advantage of a bunch of things that Oklahoma State, glaring weaknesses on their team that we did not exploit the week prior. And, you know, that's unfortunate. I will spare you the game prediction, Paul. Instead, I'll ask uh, that question this way. Vegas started uh, the line for this game as a pick em. The money has come in on the Longhorns now, who are two-and-a-half-point favorites. Does that surprise you at all, considering just how good Kansas State has been playing uh, over the last month or so and how inconsistent Texas has been on the road in conference play this year? I, I think there's a tension there between analytics and watching Texas play and find ways to lose. Hmm. If you approach this from an analytics perspective, it actually does – make some sense to favor Texas in this game. Uh, if you frankly have watched Texas, <laughs> you know, we, we have, we have found ways to lose and it's probably time for Texas to find some ways to win for us to have more confidence. Uh, I would not bet Texas in this game uh, minus points. That doesn't make sense to me. No, but you know, I, I, I do understand where it's coming from because even from a matchups perspective, we match up fairly well with Kansas State. Uh, you know, their, their conventional running game, Texas should be able to stop. Uh, they have pretty good interior offensive linemen, particularly Cooper Beebe. He'll be an all-big 12 guy. He's, he's a really good run blocker. But, you know, that is the strength of this Texas defense. And, just, and I'm assuming we're going to deploy our defense with probably a third interior defensive lineman out there. I'm just mm. – I, I would think that if we do some reflection on the bye week, we're going to have some understanding that five of our best 10 players on defense all play interior de defensive line. So and rather than jamming them up and in a traffic jam behind two spots, I think we probably need to get a third guy out there. 
particularly given the the disappointing performance we've gotten out of some of the edge play we've seen recently. So I would think Texas is going to play a, a three-man big front with maybe an edge. But, you know, I, I've realized I realized early on and continue to realize that I don't see game plans the same way that Pete Kwiatkowski does. And mm-hmm. that's fair. You know, he's a professional coach and he makes the big money. But, you know, I, I got to think that that's something that we're going to have to experiment or tinker with if you want to get your best 11 out on the field. So I think that's going to pose a challenge for K-State's conventional run game. So the question is, what can they do with the quarterback run game? What can they do in play action trying to hit us over the top? And if we've got answers for that, you know, that, that is an offense you can shut down. And that's hard for people to imagine after what they did to Oklahoma State. But, you know, go watch the Tulane game where Tulane came in and shut them down in Manhattan. Now, Tulane is much better than people think if you haven't been following them. I have been because I've been betting on them. They've been winning me money. But they played very sound defense and did exactly that. They took away the conventional run game and they covered Kansas State deep. And they basically didn't blow any assignments. And Kansas State was not able to put together 10 to 12 play drives and go and score touchdowns. They just sputtered out. Iowa State, same deal. So I think there's some architecture of game plan for both Tulane and Iowa State that you can see of of two teams that held Kansas State to 10 points. And, uh, you know, I'm not saying Texas is going to hold them to 10, but I'm saying that holding, you know, if if they play well, Holding them to 17, holding them to 20, it's not out of not out of not out of the imagination at all. If you hold them to 17 or 20, you should be able to win that game. I would think, unless you know, we we you know go eight of 30 at quarterback. I don't know. You know, <laughs> nothing surprises me with this team, good or bad. You know, if we went to Manhattan and had a convincing win, double digits, I don't think I'd be shocked. I'd be really excited and happy, and and it would mean good things for the back stretch of the season. Uh, but there's almost no result uh, that would surprise me. And, that, and that's a little disconcerting because generally I get a good sense of most teams by midseason. And uh, I'm just not sure with Texas. You know, some of that's going to depend on our injury report. Can Anthony Cook go? Uh, you know, he had surgery on a, on a broken arm. And he's, he's going to gut it out. He's a tough guy. He's going to try to come back. How's, how's Watts? How's his hamstring? If those guys can go, it's a huge help because Anthony Cook's probably not going to bust a bunch of this assignments, and he's a very willing tackler and run support. Ryan Watts gives you a lot of size on the edge, and he prevents that drop-off at corner that we've been experiencing when he has to go out. So, you know, I, I just think that Texas, believe it or not, does have good matchups, and, and the analytics favor Texas, and that's why you see the line. You know, Vegas isn't sentimental they don't have our, our fan uh, loser mentality. <laughs> you know, they just look at the numbers. Uh, that said, there is a, a subjective aspect to football analysis, not just objective. And the subjective, I think, is what worries Texas fans going up into Manhattan. I don't want to spoil any part of next week's Everyone Gets a Trophy podcast, but you and I probably won't be speaking next week on this program. So I'm curious to get your opinion on this because win or lose this weekend – Texas needs to have a short memory because TCU comes to town that next Saturday. Which matchup concerns you more, Kansas State or TCU? You know, that's super interesting, Trey, because it's it's actually pressure on the secondary in both instances, but it's completely different type of pressure. Hmm. Kansas State is, am I going to get faked out based on a, a bad run read in play action? 
right? Or they lull me to sleep running the quarterback or, you know, running some play action with Deuce Vaughn and, and we're overreacting. Which this Texas defense has been guilty of this year. Has been guilty of, but you know what? Pete Kwiatkowski does like to play that two safety deep shell. Yeah. And if we can stop Kansas State's run game, honestly, with an honest box, and you got two safeties standing back there, just arms folded saying, we're not buying it. You know, we're not falling for the banana in our tailpipe. <laughs> hey, there's a path forward here. Conversely, TCU doesn't put stress with deception. P- TCU puts stress on your secondary by saying, hey, we're going to roll out four receivers, five receivers, and we're going to throw the ball down the field, and we're going to run our quarterback when you play a light box. And we're just going to keep doing that over and over and over, and you're going to have to keep defending it. And by the way, we have Quentin Johnston, who's going to be a first-round NFL draft pick. And then he's surrounded by a bunch of guys who may not be perfect or complete receivers, but all of them are very experienced and every single one of their guys can run. And that's scary. It's terrifying. And they're going to drop back. And, you know, Max Duggan, if he sees the right read, he's a mad bomber. He's throwing the ball down the field. And having your secondary face that play after play after play, and then they incorporate the screen game and then all that other stuff. And then, if you play a light box, they just hand it off to Kendra Miller. And, you know, it's, it's, it's football made easy. It's football made simple. And so that puts a ton of stress on your secondary. So the question is, who puts more stress? You know, ultimately, for, it's for the listener or the, or the viewer to decide based on, do you think we're going to be more susceptible to deception? Or do you think we're more susceptible to just athletes beating us over the course of a game? You know, and that's something ultimately we'll – We'll get to find out pretty soon. Yes, we will. All right, last question, Paul, because you are a unicorn. You're a guy who was born and raised here in Austin, even though you now live in uh, beautiful, sunny Colorado Springs. Yep. So uh, as a result, you had a ton of opportunities back in the 1980s and early 90s to go to Texas games at DKR. And uh, back before it was DKR, back when it was just Memorial Stadium. And that included uh, checking the Houston Cougars out from time to time. Yeah. It's not official just yet. It looks like Texas is going to be traveling to Houston as part of their conference schedule next year in the Big 12. What was your initial reaction when you saw that? I hope they set up temporary stands. Little Lego erector set like they did a few years ago. And what were those did those things fall or this they were a threat to fall and basically got condemned or something? They were a threat to fall, yeah. A threat I think to anybody fall. was allowed right. on them. So I mean it, you almost had a third world soccer situation, right? Uh and that's that's kind of U of H in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you guys have watched U of H this year, but they might be the dumbest team in college football. Uh, I've, I've never seen a more self-destructive team and somehow they're five and three. I think playing a conference USA schedule has helped them in that regard. But I, I mean, if Texas fans, I know we freak out because we have guys jumping offside on third and five and stuff like that. But, oh my God, until you watch a U of H game, you've never seen more drives thwarted by just dumb, stupid mistakes and penalties and idiotic displays. So, uh, they're, they're, an interesting team to watch. Um, I'm not particularly looking forward to playing Cougar high. And, uh, you know, I guess we have to weather the, the big 12. What, what is. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's journey, the free to play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring twenties. 
With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. I guess we have to weather the Big 12 for another year or two. We'll see, but not looking forward to that road trip. But you know what? That's a road trip where you'll probably still have 15,000, 20,000 Texas fans in the stands. uh, It's a good opportunity for Houston alums to get out and see a game. Uh, I don't see Holgerson having that program pointed in a great direction at the moment. So we'll have to see, but you know, in the, in the world of NIL and transfers, Houston might be a completely different transformed team next year. So who knows? That's true. Yeah. It is frustrating that Texas and Oklahoma are going to be stuck in this conference when those four new schools come in next summer and, the possibility that it ends up being two seasons. Come on, guys. I know we may have to pay the Big 12 a little bit of money. We have to get out by 24. Yeah, you know, I think the fundamental issue is that Texas can pay the bill and doesn't want to. OU may want to pay the bill, but can't. I don't, I don't think they can afford it. And, uh, you know, you're trying to find a proxy, ESPN or a network or somebody to, to cover it so they can get the SEC rolling you know hyper juiced sec not that not that it needs any more tension or drama but you know getting fully dominating all the share of texas television sets by adding texas and texas a&m and then you get the more fractional increased national interest of just having ou in texas you know that's one thing that people overlook texas isn't just about texas television sets which is important but it's also the increased demography just because you have an uptick in national interest everywhere. You've got people in Delaware who are more likely to watch an SEC game because it's Texas, Georgia, uh, just because it's Texas and Georgia. And, you know, it's just name brand for sort of football. And so I don't know. They have to run those economics. Right now, the economics aren't panning out to pay that. And uh, with the economy slowing down, advertising slowing down, things like that, I think the Texas fans, unless something awesome happens. I think we're just gonna have to weather a few more big 12 games. I don't, I know that I'm not able to uh, speak for the university's money, but can't we play Oklahoma's banker perhaps to speed this process up? Yeah. You know, I don't know. Um, The good news is as long as we're in the big 12, I know we're going to get a fair shake from the officials and officiating. (laughs) And uh, Hey, I don't know if you know this, but Oklahoma state committed penalties last week against Kansas state. No way. I would yeah, have if they would be penalty free based on the week before. That was the first time in their school history that they were penalty free, but I don't know. They are capable of committing infractions. And apparently their offensive line, which has three starters that probably shouldn't be starting at the FBS level, they had a bunch of holding calls. I, I, I don't know if you know that, but I don't know. I just thought that was interesting. I guess Gundy really hasn't, in, you know, I guess they lost discipline in the week in between Texas and Kansas state, it just happens. You could be the most disciplined team in college football, basically a service Academy. And then a week goes by and you know, you commit eight or 10 penalties. It's crazy. Where are we at in society? He is Paul Wadlington. Check him out uh, all throughout the week at InsideTexas.com, And of course the excellent, everyone gets a trophy podcast. Paul, always a pleasure. Thank you so much for the time today. Anytime Trey. Thanks. We move along now to our weekly conversation with the great Brian Jones of CBS. He is, of course, the lead 
college football analyst for their studio show. And there is a big matchup uh, this weekend on CBS that you guys are getting to lead into, BJ. We'll talk about that in just a second because the Longhorns have another ranked matchup on the road, this time in a place that has not been too kind to Texas this century. At Kansas State, a team that just demolished Oklahoma State last weekend, 48 to nothing. And Texas is coming off of a bye. That certainly helps. But uh, people are, are uh, a little bit concerned for good reason right now. Uh, in watching tape of this Kansas State team, what stands out to you? Uh, and let's start on the offensive side of the ball first. Well, you have to start with Deuce Vaughn. And the Texas defense, although it's not one-on-ones, they get a good look at an outstanding, exceptional, next-level running back in B. John Robinson all the time. Well, Deuce Vaughn may not be as big, uh, as tall as, as a B. John Robinson and others, but, man, he's got a skill set that's through the roof. He's just as elusive, slippery when wet, and, and you saw him just take off like he was on a runway versus uh, Oklahoma State last week for a touchdown. He just outran the entire defense, and this guy can scoot. They utilize him myriad ways in the passing game, of course, handing it off to him. They'll spread him out all over the place, run the angle routes with him. So you got to stop him. And they're the number one rushing offense, K-State, in the Big 12. So you never want to allow offense to do what they do best. So they have to get a handle on Deuce Vaughn. He's going to be elusive. So you got to make sure you got your gaps covered. You can't run underneath blocks. You have to be physical with these offensive linemen, staying in your gap, and you have to wrap this young man up. And then Will Howard, you're talking about a redemption story, much uh, like uh, Max Duggan. They're a TCU, a guy who was a former starter who takes over once Adrian Martinez comes up uh, limp in that uh, TCU ball game, and he's throwing it all over the lot here, here of late. And you got Knowles, you got Brooks at the wide receiver position. They had some other guys that, that stepped up last week. Uh, in the passing game, but stop that run game. And then you can worry about uh, Howard and, and, and the passing game, but you want him to, to pass. That's a more opportunity you for you to uh, come up at, uh, and, and win those downs. But uh, you got to stop Deuce Vaughn. Yeah, in theory, you want him to pass, but he has really developed uh, over the last season. He is a guy who always had a little bit of athleticism, especially considering his size. He ripped off a big run against Texas last year, but his ability to throw the football downfield now is something that really stands out. And in my opinion, Brian, is why I'm maybe a little bit more concerned about Will Howard than I am Adrian Martinez, just because of how this secondary has looked at times over these last few weeks. Just a, an unfortunate sieve, especially in the middle of the field. It's questionable whether Anthony Cook is going to be back this weekend. And uh, then also the uh, cornerback Ryan Watts is nursing a strained hamstring right now. So uh, Texas may be down to some of those second and third team guys in that secondary. That does not bode well for a guy that has figured out how to throw the football. And he also has talented weapons on the outside. Those guys know how to run precise routes and, and they've got switch routes and they'll get in all these different formations, trips, they'll get in, you know, double sets where you got twins on each side of the formation. Uh, they mix it up. As I said earlier, they'll put Deuce Vaughn out there. So they're going to give you some different looks. You better communicate well. And there are a couple of instances where Oklahoma State didn't do that. And to your point, if you don't have a veteran such as Anthony Cook back there being able to communicate uh, with these youngins, uh, 
uh, that may not bode well. So make sure there's some communication. Everyone's on the same page uh, in that Texas secondary because you're going to get a whole host of looks. What have you seen from scouting the Kansas State defense? Physical. It starts with 91, man. I think it's Uzoma, uh, Uzoma uh, leading the uh, Big 12 in, in sacks, second in, in tackles for loss. You've got to block Big 91 on that edge, man. And, and he runs through double teams just as well as he does when someone singularly is trying to block him. Uh, he, he's a low. But everyone, whether it might not be four and five stars, they're physical. They know what's being asked. They take care of their gaps. They strike offensive linemen. And they're always square to the line of scrimmage, man. So they're, they're a they're technique and, and fundamentally sound football team. Uh, that's what stands out when, when you watch uh, this defense, especially that, that front seven, or I should say front six, because they run a lot of three, three, five. And that secondary, there's three or four transfers that are starting on that back end. And they, they ran pretty well with the, uh, the Oklahoma State wide receivers. But Oklahoma State made a lot of mistakes. I don't even know why they got on the bus. Because they just, man, dropping balls. Spencer Sanders was skip passing. I was like, what the hell? I mean, Anthony Rizzo couldn't have picked those those passes he was throwing, man. It was just bounce pass after bounce pass. I don't know what was wrong with that young man. And then you add in the drops. Uh, they couldn't block. Uh, 91, as I mentioned, and, and others uh, on that on that defense. Uh, it was just a, a, a calamity, a calamity of errors for for Oklahoma State. But when you're physical, as K State plays, they can force you into those type of errors, and, and they they'll run some games with the linebackers, some cross dogs, not a lot, but they'll 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 switch that up on you as well. Uh, but they are going to come and be a physical football team. Just know that going in. What is one area of improvement that you hope to see out of Texas considering the uh, extra work they've gotten with the bye week last night? They've got to generate a pass rush, and you can't always do that with the blitz, man. you you got to get to the quarterback, and that's something they haven't done. I think their leading sacker has three three sacks, hmm. and that's the Sorrell kid. Uh, you you got to be able – That was early in the season, too. Yeah, that was early in the season. You're correct. So they've got to be able to, to get to uh, Howard, and they have to tackle well, and I said it earlier. And, and this came back, uh, into, unfortunately, reared its ugly head again in, in the last ball game. You can't go underneath these blocks. I tried it, Trey. <laughs> you just cannot do it. Uh, you you got to take on, as a, especially as a linebacker, you got to take on these offensive linemen. You got to get across their face to make sure you take care of your gap, and then you can become a football player. And going up against a back like Deuce Mon, he is going to exploit that. He is going to make you pay anytime you give him a crease, let alone a chasm to run through. And, and when you go underneath these blocks, that's what you're essentially doing, man. You're just giving him extra room, him and any other back. So Texas has to be physical. These backers have to be physical. I love what Jalen Ford is doing for the most part, uh, but there's more uh, areas of improvement, if you will, and especially for Overshawn. He's been making these – mistakes I mean for the last couple of years I know you got great speed you have an excellent burst but you cannot win with athleticism alone especially going up against fundamentally sound football teams such as Kansas State we've now seen Quinn Ewers start and finish four different games at the college level now 
let's be clear here. This guy is the age of a true freshman, even though he technically played college ball last year. But uh, three of those four performances have been uneven at best. Now, he made enough throws in the second halves of the first game of the year and then also versus Iowa State a couple weeks ago to win those games. But he was clearly uh, not capable of getting it done and a big reason why Texas lost in Stillwater a week and a half ago. What do you think we see out of Quinn Ewers, considering that this is his second uh, road game to start at the college level this Saturday night? Well, if he liked Oklahoma State and Stillwater, he's going to love Little Manhattan because uh, they go nuts there, as you well know. Not a not a friendly uh, spot for, for the Longhorns or any other team for that, that matter. I think he'll continue to grow. He's gotten a taste now of a true road game. And so he's checked that box. Now he knows what to expect to go into this one. And as poorly as he played, he made some passes there at the end of that ball game, the one Sanders dropped. Uh, he, he made some big throws that uh, should have been caught. And, and then he had the long run, of course, that was brought back, which was unfortunate. He may need to showcase his wheels again in, in this one. But now having had that experience on the road, he's got a, a good idea of what it's going to entail playing at Kansas State. So just go and, and be comfortable and, and understand, you know, th this offense, you've looked apart more than you have it, and, and go play. And go be go play freely and, and and do what you have trained been trained to do since you stepped on campus there, man. So I think he'll he'll rebound nicely. Uh, I I know Texas is favorite, but until I see them win one of these true road games, what are they one and six in their last? They've lost their last five straight, right on the road. Uh, yeah. So until they win, boy, how can you uh, tag them to, to to win this one? Well, people are probably tiring of me bringing this up, too, but Steve Sarkeesian loses two out of every three games in two different circumstances throughout his coaching career against ranked opponents and then conference games on the road. And this is another one of those games that checks both of those boxes. Unfortunately, they fell short in the previous game that also checked both boxes in Stillwater. And I'm with you right now until I see them. Uh, get the proverbial monkey off of their backs in these situations. I, I just I can't pick them to win, even if uh, the money is coming in on Texas right now. And uh, Vegas, as a result, has them winning the game. by. They, they have to make adjustments in the second half, and I haven't seen that take place. Uh, they get out great, as we saw at Tech. At, at, we saw it at, there at, at, in Stillwater with 24 first-half points at Tech, 31 uh, last time. Uh, there versus Oklahoma State. And what are they doing in, in the second half? They wet the bed. I mean, you just cannot win. You have to make those midstream adjustments and 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 keep that opponent, you know, keep them off balance. And, 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 and I'm with you, man. Until I see something different, how can I say, yeah, they'll win this one? They're the better team, athletically speaking. There's no doubt. And Coach Kleinman said it the other day in his press conference. He hadn't seen anyone that gets the ball to their explosive players, such as Texas. They can get it to him. And, and I give Coach Sark credit, man. He can dial up some beautiful plays. But sometimes it's okay to be boring. Sometimes it's okay just to hand it to number five and let him continue to run the rock. Even if he's not picking up chunks uh, of yardage, you got to still feed him. And that's how you win these games on the road. You have to pack your running game. So the big game this weekend is the one that y'all are broadcasting at 2.30 Central Time on CBS, BJ. It is number one Tennessee, 
just ranked number one in the uh, college football <laughs> playoff poll last yeah. night. And number three, Georgia. This game is in Athens. The dogs are eight-point favorites. How do you see this one shaking out? Man, I'm going to be out there on that island. I'm going to take Tennessee. Uh, they have now with Cedric Tillman coming back last week, who was our leading receiver before he went out four weeks ago. And, of course, Jalen Hyatt has just taken this opportunity and flown with it. Uh, they have more than enough weapons at the wide receiver position uh, to, to cause havoc on that back end if they can hold up up front. Now, holding up up front, Georgia – this defense has played great. They're going to lose one of their big players in, in Nolan Smith. Yeah. He's out for this one, maybe for the foreseeable future. But they're still way behind the pace in the sack department. They only have 10 on the year, went into last week's game with seven, got three versus uh, Florida. 10 on the year, I think they had 49 last year. Uh, and so if Tennessee can hold up on that offensive line, give Hendon Hooker time, I think he can he can do some damage downfield against this Georgia secondary. There's a young man, Malachi Starks, freakish athlete. He's incredible. Uh, but there were some busted coverages last week versus Florida. And wait till he sees this offense. Uh, he hadn't witnessed anything uh, such as what Tennessee and Hendon Hooker are going to bring to the table. And don't sleep on their running game with Jabari Small uh, as well. And their defense played much, much better last week. Versus Kentucky, holding them to six points, kind of some big turnovers in that ball game. But I'm going to lead Tennessee. Uh, there were some drops on the Georgia side, but also some some misplaced balls on the part of Stetson Bennett. So there were a few red flags offensively. They'll shore that up, and they've got a ton of talent. Those tight ends, Washington, and of course Bowers is the lead dog in that department, and they've gotten so many other wide receivers involved in the passing game, as well as the running backs, McIntosh uh, being uh, the, the one they use the most. And, and, of course, they've got a nice stable of backs, Edwards and McIntosh and, and Milton. And, and, and so you're going to have to play four quarters to beat them. But I think Tennessee, they, they can hang with them and, and they can they can possibly get them. It's probably going to be end up another nail biter such as Bama and Tennessee. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, I love it. I'm a fan of the other UT this year. They are a yeah. fun football team to watch. Yes, they are. The other top 10 matchup this weekend, unsurprisingly, also in the SEC, Alabama at a resurgent LSU. I got to give you credit because a couple weeks ago you picked LSU to uh, pull off the, I guess technically it wasn't an upset because they were favored by a couple of points, but to win against Ole Miss, and they did so handily. Uh, this is a different sort of challenge, though, with the uh, uh, Crimson Tide coming into town. Uh, can LSU keep this closer than the 13.5 that uh, Vegas has it at right now? They can keep it close if Jane Daniels can stay upright because he has some wheels that he can utilize to extend plays, and we've seen that being the elixir for beating a Nick Saban defense, a quarterback that's a true dual threat, a la Hendon Hooker. And he has the requisite wide receivers and Booty and the other guys uh, in, uh, in that wide receiver room. There are they're, they're about three or four of them, man, that can go. He's incorporating these tight ends, the Taylor kid, 
the Hall of Famer, Jason Taylor's son, uh, 86. So they are going to give Bama something to think about, much like Tennessee did. And, and this secondary for Bama, I'm still not sold on them. And, and Nick Saban can say all he wants. Well, we, we uh, made mistakes. You know what forces you to make mistakes? Speed. And, and that's what Tennessee possessed, and that's what LSU possessed. And this is the reason Brian Kelly took this job. He knew he couldn't get these type of players in there at Notre Dame. Now he has them, and while I think they're still at least a year away, he's got a quarterback that's damn good. He's got the wide receivers. He's got a running game. Man, the offensive line, they're a little shaky at times. Defensively, I don't believe they're going to be able to hold up going up against Alabama and Bryce Young and his budding new receivers that are stepping up. They're going to LSU will have to go point for point and hold serve every time they have the damn ball if they're going to beat Alabama. But I believe Bama wins. Tough task indeed. All right. Uh, rather than ask about Clemson or uh, Clemson and Notre Dame or any of the other matchups this weekend, I wanted to uh, to shift gears and talk a little bit about an opponent that's going to be on Texas schedule next year. Texas, unfortunately, will still be in the Big 12. And the news released uh, within the last couple of days that one of their first couple of games in the 2023 schedule is going to be at the University of Houston. Now, I'm not going to ask you to break that game down. It's still a year away after all. But I did want to ask you, because you are a guy who was a part of that Shock the Nation team, that Texas team back in 1990, whose biggest win was here in Austin against the number three Houston Cougars. What is your fondest memory from that game, BJ? Well, I would say our biggest win was beating uh, Oklahoma, not Oklahoma, we beat them, but beating AM because we had lost to them six straight years as well. Okay. That's fair. But you're right, man. That was monumental considering they had just been kicking the you know what out of everybody, including us. Uh, my biggest memory was uh, the, the older guys would come back and, and Metcalf, Eric Metcalf, Tim McCray, and those guys were in the locker room prior to the game. And I just remember the. Uh, Tim and, and and Eric imploring me and and everyone else to go out there and get them because we knew we had the team to get them. But first and foremost was that week, that Monday, when you have installation and Coach Fuller comes in and says, we're not dialing up anything exotic, guys. We've got enough talent in this room. We're going to go out there and run our base defense. And that's exactly what we did. Because usually you go out and you have five or six DBs and you get all out of whack. Like, nope, we're not doing it. We'll muddle huddle. You know, if they don't huddle, we're not huddling. Secondary, look over here. We'll tell you what to do. Rest of you guys look over here. BJ will get the signal to you. Uh, or not the signal, but get the play to you. So we had a simplified game plan going in. And, and it worked because he was right. The talent was there, and and we just went out and played Texas football, man. Just manned up and, and whipped them individually and collectively. So that was the beauty of that. Just Coach Fuller saying, nothing exotic. We can just go base defense and go ball. And, and then watching Hadnot do his thing, running all over those guys. That was a phenomenal football game, man. That was that was so much fun, and, and that stadium uh, was rocking. I can only imagine if it was – a hundred, you know, thousand in there as it is now. Uh, back then, I guess we had eighty some, maybe eighty four, eighty five thousand, and it was glorious, man. It, it was so much fun. Finally, uh, knocking those guys off with them being ranked as high as they were, and and exacting some revenge. 
I mean, you guys kicked their ass. You beat them by yeah. three three touchdowns. Was it 45-27 or something? 45-24, yeah. 45-24, yep. Yeah. So you're oh. obviously not a, an individual accolades guy, but is there any uh, any one big play for you in that game? No, you know, I, I may have had a few tackles for loss. Uh, I know I missed a sack. I remember that one. Damn, Klingler uh, made me look bad. I came off the edge on, on one play, and he got around me. But uh, my job was to make sure I kept Weatherspoon uh, in check. And a check, what is it, Witherspoon? Witherspoon, Witherspoon yeah. Yeah, kept him in check, man, that little bowling ball. And for the most part, I did so. I don't, I don't know what he, how many yards he gained, but it couldn't have been a lot, because uh, I was focused on on getting him to the ground and, and making sure Cleveland didn't uh, scramble too much. But uh, it was a great effort by everyone. I know Hawk, the sheriff, uh, Stanley Richards had a great game. Lance Gunn, all our guys, Cavanis, Mark Berry, man, it was phenomenal. Uh, everyone just, it all aligned perfectly. Everyone did their job. The guys in front of me, Oscar Giles and Jeter and Patton and, and Dronette, it was fun. Me and Curl and Boom Powell, we had a blast, dude. I, I was kicking their ass. Because <laughs> they had just been embarrassing folks. I think they put 80 or 90 on SMU at one point. Yeah. And so and they were, they were cocky and arrogant, their, their coach. And, and so, yeah, to, to get that type of revenge in, in that manner and in prime time, Way cool. I mean, people still talk about that game here. I think that was the last game that the fans rushed the field, if I'm remembering. Is that right? Is yeah. that the – wow. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yep. yeah, that Chuck, was a wild one. Chuck Weatherspoon, the running back's name. Chuck Weatherspoon, yeah. That was Weatherspoon, uh, yeah. Yeah, All right. he is Brian Jones. Check him out this Saturday on CBS. He is the lead college football analyst for CBS's studio show. And enjoy him every week during football season on this program. Of course, it releases on Wednesday afternoons. BJ, thank you as always for the time, man. Talk to you next week. You got it, Trey. Appreciate you, man. That is it for another show. Thanks again to Paul Wadlington and Brian Jones for talking some Texas football and more. And thanks to you for watching and listening. If you are watching via YouTube right now and that on Texas football feed, please go ahead and click that thumbs up button if you liked the episode and do make sure to subscribe to the channel as well. I'm Trey Elling. Have yourselves a great rest of the week. We'll talk to you next Wednesday afternoon. In the meantime, hook them.